pledged uh, in, as part of Kevin uh, Hageman's uh, ordination today. Uh, we've got, and Kevin's kind of in this weird situation where he's being ordained into the Christian Missionary Alliance denomination because that's where he started his ordination process before he came to Hillside. And in case some of you go, we are not Christian Missionary Alliance. We're actually the Evangelical Missionary Church of Canada. And they're, but they're like sister tribes. We've had a long history, kind of parallel tracks. We almost merged a couple times as denominations. So they really are brothers and sisters to us. Let me say, actually, all other Christian denominations are brothers and sisters to us. Let's, let's be, you know, clear on that. But uh, these are a special part of the family. And uh, Lynn Dietz is our regional supervisor, regional uh, district. What do, you, what do you call it? District, regional, regional minister. Thank you. And he's going to come up. Uh, uh, Mark's going to come up and speak in a moment, but uh, Lynn just is going to bring brief greetings from the EMCC. That is our kind of denominational family. Thank you, Derwin. And you said brief, and you're standing beside me, so yeah. I know that's like, you yeah, know. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's so cool to be with you again. Uh, enjoy coming to Hillside. I bring you greetings from your family across the country from... Uh, I was going to say, the furthest west would be Richmond, I guess. Probably a little bit further west than you guys, but uh, it's, I don't know, it's a battle. Uh, Richmond to Truro, Nova Scotia. And it's good to be a part of a family of about 150 churches, um, and all together on mission for Jesus. This year, a particular focus of ours has been from Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 and 19, where God says, forget the former things, do not dwell in the past. See, I'm about to do a new thing. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a pathway in the wilderness, streams in the desert. So our focus is on what is God up to now? He's always up to something new, but what is he up to now? So right now we're meeting with pastors and spouses across the country in retreats, and we're listening in to that text of Scripture, listening up to the Spirit to say, God, what are you up to? We want to be attentive to you, and as a family across the country, we want to move forward with what you're up to, what you're doing, and who you are to represent you to the best of our ability in this country and around the world. So that's kind of what we're up to this year, future-ready thought out of Isaiah 43. And uh, just bless you guys. It's always a privilege to be here. Thank you. Thanks, Lynn. So great. Thanks for the way you serve us. And Kevin and I will go and spend the next three days. Uh, tomorrow we head to a, a EMCC pastor's retreat out in uh, Chilliwack. So that's going to be great. We also have Mark Peters. He's a district superintendent of the Christian Missionary Alliance, the Pacific District. And uh, we have uh, Christian Missionary Alliance, strong alliances locally with them. And, and uh, I've known of, of Peter, Mark for a long time. Mark um, has pastored in North Shore Alliance Church for many years, 13 years or so. Um, and uh, now he's serving their denomination. He's married to Naomi. They've got two kids, mostly grown and uh, we're really grateful to have him. He's going to come and bring a word and then lead us in the ordination piece that we're going to do at the end of the service. Does that sound okay? All right. Can we uh, give it up a warm welcome today to Mark? Bless you. Good morning, everyone. It is so good to be here. I, I was sitting over here in worship and enjoying the praises of God's people. I, w one of the unique things that Lynn and I get to do is we travel from church to church to church. And so sometimes when I walk into a church, I get an impression of, of, of maybe what's going on. This morning, I had such a, a distinct sense of the Holy Spirit's presence. 
And it just strikes me that the Holy Spirit always feels at home where Jesus is honored. And so may the Lord just continue to bless and provide and sustain you as a church as you live on mission. So like Pastor Derwin said, my name's Mark. I serve as a district superintendent for Alliance Churches throughout British Columbia. And it is such a privilege to be here on the occasion of Pastor Kevin's ordination. And so we're going to get to the ordination part in a little while, but I, but I thought maybe right off the, the, the top, I want to explain a little bit about what ordination means in, uh, in my denominational family. So over the last couple of years of, of Kevin's ordination journey, he has completed a, a, a process of, of reading and reflection, the writing of lengthy theological papers, the submission of sermons, all of which have been evaluated by a committee. And... Kevin's work over the past couple of years culminated in an extensive oral examination in which his call to ministry, his ability to articulate the scripture, and his knowledge of, of theology was tested. I happened to be in Kevin's interview, and he was outstanding. He was outstanding. So... Kevin is passionate, as you know. He's articulate, as you know. But, but there was something that really struck me in your interview, Kevin. You, you spoke about a particular calling to the work of shepherding. It was very distinct for me. You talked about the privilege of being with people as they walk through pain and loss. You talked about the gift of listening, really listening to what's happening in their hearts, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a quote, and unfortunately, the source escapes me, but, I, but I've never forgotten this. This is the quote, listening is indistinguishable from love. So God has called you to a particular kind of ministry here, and I just, I bless and affirm what God has been doing in you and through you. Ordination, as defined by the Christian and Missionary Alliance, is the affirmation of the local church that the one being ordained has been set apart by Jesus Christ and gifted through the Holy Spirit for gospel ministry. And so, Kevin, the fact that we're here having this conversation today means that your calling and gifting has already been affirmed by Pastor Derwin and by the leadership here of Hillside Community Church. It has been affirmed by the Licensing and Ordination Committee, and now formally here today by myself and by Lynn. And so on this Ordination Sunday, I'm going to preach a text that I trust will be a blessing to all of you here at Hillside Church, and also to you, Kevin, as we celebrate what God is doing in you and through you. And before I get to my text this morning, I want to conduct a very quick survey, and I promise it will be painless. All of you are going to do wonderfully well. Three questions. Here's the first. If given the choice, would you prefer to receive one $100 bill or a stack of $100 bills? Put, put up your hand if you prefer the stack. Okay, the rest of you are not being honest. Number two, okay, I, I live on the North Shore. Real estate is very expensive. Would you prefer to live in a small 500-square-foot apartment or in a large house? Large house? Okay, number of you? Okay, last question. If given the choice, would you prefer to fly first class or economy? First class, I, I, that's what I thought. 
So more often than not, we want more, not less. We want more choices. We want more money. We want more time and more sleep. We want more vacation, more freedom, more influence, more recognition, more success. Why is it that we can be content, utterly content with what we have until we meet someone who has more? We say to ourselves, if I could just score that game-winning goal or get that promotion or take that exotic vacation or wear that name brand, then I'd be happy. Just by a show of hands, how many of you sort of grew up in the 80s? Okay, a number of you. So it was during the, the, the 80s that infomercials began to infiltrate television. Perhaps some of you remember along with me the Ginsu knife. Now, with this knife, you could slice bread so thin you could almost see through it. It was so durable, you could slice through a tin can, chop down a tree, and still have an edge sharp enough to slice a tomato. Now, here's the question. How much would you pay for a knife like this? Just wait. There's more. They'll also throw in a a fork that you can use for carving meat. There's a six-in-one peeling tool. And that's not all. There's even more. They'll throw in six steak knives and a spiral slicer. Now, here's the thing. To this day, I still don't know what a spiral slicer is, but the moment I heard about it, I knew I needed it. (laughs) We live in a culture of excess. We are being told every day that we need more in order to be happy. More is good. More is better. How much do we need? Just a little bit more. And the irony is that we live at a time and in a place where per capita, we have more excess and more luxury than any other people in the history of the world. And as you all know, sadly, this more has not led to human satisfaction. One could argue that we are more stressed out, jealous, and dissatisfied than all previous generations put together. If more is so good, then why are we so miserable? If you have a Bible with you this morning, I want to invite you to turn with me to John chapter 3. We're going to start reading at verse 22. I'm going to read to the end of verse 30. If you don't have a Bible with you, you can follow along. The the text will be on the screen behind me. Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and they baptized. Now, John was also baptizing at Enon near Salim because there was plenty of water And people were coming and being baptized. This was before John was put in prison. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over a matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, Jesus, look, he's baptizing and everyone's going to him. To this, John replied, a person can only receive what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens to him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. 
That joy is mine, and it is now complete. He must become greater. I must become less. So the story begins with this argument that erupts between John's disciples and an unnamed Jew about a matter of of, of ceremonial washing. And after reporting this dispute to John the Baptist, his disciples raise a concern of their own. Their concern was that Jesus' star was clearly on the rise. And the crowds were beginning to shift their attention from John and his disciples to Jesus. Verse 26, from my perspective, sums up what was going on in their mind. Everyone is going to him. And even at face value, this is more than a statement of fact. It's a statement that reveals a kind of hurt, perhaps fear, maybe even resentment. When the crowds were gathering a number around John, his disciples, they felt important and valuable. They were doing God's work, and they had hoped that their ministry would grow. They wanted more. But with the arrival of Jesus, what they began to experience was less. Now, from a Western cultural perspective, we all know the goal in life. The goal is to get to the top and then stay there. And so when interest begins to fade in us, who we are or what we have to offer, we reinvent ourselves to remain relevant. This is how it works in in business. If, If you can't keep up with the trends, if you can't meet the needs of your consumers, then you're destined for the recycling bin. As in business, so in life, we tell ourselves. But into this way of thinking, John the Baptist speaks a contrary word. Verse 27, a person can only receive what is given them from heaven. In Hillside Church, what I want you to do is just stop for a moment to consider John's words. Do we actually believe him? Because the whole thrust of Western culture works in the opposite direction. Every day, we are bombarded with the idea that there is no God. And in a world without God, we are encouraged to create ourselves and the world around us. Most Westerners believe that by an act of one's will, by which I mean the application of one's intelligence, creativity, and perseverance, we can be whoever we want to be and accomplish whatever we set our minds to. There is no heaven, and therefore, there is no limit. This is what we hear every day we wake up in our culture. John says a resounding no. A person can only receive what is given them from heaven. And so in John's ministry, he received from the Father what God intended to give him and no more. Similarly, Jesus received his own calling from the Father and no less. John goes on to clarify what he means by this receiving. Verses 28 and 29, John says, You yourselves, disciples, can testify that I said, I'm not the Messiah, but I'm sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom, and the friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine, and it's now complete. To use modern pop language, John wasn't trying to build his own brand. 
He reminded his disciples that what was transpiring was the goal right from the very beginning, to point away from himself to the one sent by God who would rescue and save. Kevin, as you know full well, at the heart of the pastoral role is to point away from yourself to Jesus. In fact, this is at the center of all Christian life and practice. In all that we do and say, we point to Jesus. And so rather than drawing people to himself, John experienced joy in watching others flock to Jesus. And he uses an illustration that still makes sense in our own culture. He talks about a best man at a wedding. In Jewish tradition, the best man handled many of the details surrounding the wedding, including bringing the bride to the groom. And so the best man knows that he's not the groom. He knows that the bride doesn't belong to him, and he knows that the wedding day isn't his day. The best man plays his role and then steps back full of joy as bride and groom take center stage. In John's analogy, Jesus is clearly the groom with humanity as the bride, and John rejoices in the privilege of being a witness to what God was doing to rescue and save the world. He refused to let his ego get in the way. Now, typically, when our influence fades, we experience pain, jealousy, maybe even competition. In John the Baptist, we see the opposite. John's message was countercultural in his day, and it remains so in our own. In the Western world, we are being told that identity is something plastic. It's something that we mold and shape to suit our own purposes. I am who I decide to be. Identity is something I create. And in this ideology, I is the central word in one's vocabulary. I want, I feel, I choose, I am. But to be Christian is to be something radically other. In a biblical way of thinking, identity is something that is primarily received. A person can only receive what is given them from heaven. And in doing what God had uniquely called John to do, he experienced joy and satisfaction watching salvation spread to the ends of the earth. What I want to do at this point is I want to move from explanation of the text to application It's important, I think, to recognize that the way in which John's words apply to himself is different, at least in part, from the way they apply to us. When John made this statement, he, Jesus, must become greater and I must become less, in one sense, John was making a vocational choice. He was recognizing that his role in redemptive history was to prepare the way for the Messiah. And now that the Messiah had come, his job was to recede into the background. None of us are exactly faced with John's choice because none of us stand exactly where John stood. But if we take John's example and words more generally, John didn't allow his temporary influence or power create a false sense of self-importance. Instead, he found joy aligning his life with God's purposes. Now, there are a myriad of ways in which all of us can live out the pursuit of more in our lives. As you know 
all too well, we can be driven by our insecurities, grasping, chasing. We can be driven by our pride, wanting to accomplish more and more. And sometimes we do. Insecurity and pride can be a powerful driver, but even in accomplishing the more, more often than not, we experience less satisfaction. My first pastoral posting took me to Calgary, and I, I served at a, at a really large church. And for, for many pastors, the desire for more is connected to all of the same markers that businesses grab a hold of. More people in the seats, more money, more ministry, more staff, more influence. Some pastors dream about preaching to thousands, to leading a team of hundreds, to be, being recognized nationally or having a global impact. This is the more that uniquely calls to many pastors. I remember in, uh, in December of 2005, um, I was on vacation with my wife and her extended family, and, and it was on that trip that God asked me to resign from this church, and the question I immediately asked God was, well, why would I leave, God, when everything is going so well? And God chose not to give me an answer, but I knew it was time to leave. And when I spoke to the senior leadership and told them I was resigning, one of them sort of called me off to the side, and he said to me, Mark, if you stay here just a little bit longer, all of this could be yours. It sounds familiar, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> what did John say? A person can only receive what is given them from heaven, which is to say, I you were not self-made, nor are we meant to live a self-directed life. For Jesus to increase and us to decrease requires a letting go, a surrendering, a, a yielding, and it means giving Jesus access to the focus and the directions and the priorities and pursuits of our life. Now, I want you to hear me when I say this. The degree to which you align your life with God's is the degree to which you will experience lasting joy. Joy only comes in alignment to the Father's will. And so we continue to pray, Father, may your will be done on earth in my life, just as it is in heaven. Kevin, in this next season of pastoral ministry, I want to encourage you to take these words of John and to embrace them, chew on them, and allow them to shape your life. Kevin, what is it that you uniquely have received from heaven? What calling, what gifts, what limitations even? I want to encourage you, Kevin, do not compare your ministry or your congregation to any others. Instead, rejoice in the calling that God has uniquely given you. Kevin, I know you know this, but Hillside Community Church is a gift to you, even as you, Kevin, are a gift to this community. Kevin, you've been crucified with Christ, and the self-created, self-directed you no longer lives. Now Christ lives in you, and the life you now live, you live by faith in the Son of God who loved you and gave himself for you.
Jesus must increase and you must decrease. Church, when our lives are aligned with the Father's, we experience joy and freedom. We experience joy in knowing who we are and that we're called to live out God's purposes in the world. And we experience freedom to be uniquely ourselves without wishing that we were somewhere else or that we were someone else. The joy that God gives makes it possible to know someone who legitimately has been given more, more money or time or gift or influence and still live free from a spirit of jealousy. John knew this joy. I'm growing in this joy, and I believe the Father wants each of you to know this joy for yourselves. In John the Baptist, we see both more and less. We see more joy, more freedom and peace. We see less competition, less jealousy, less pride. Kevin, Hillside, may this also be true of you. Kevin, you've been called to the role of pastor, and my confidence is that whoever God calls, he always equips and empowers. And so, Kevin, may you know the love of God in ever-deepening ways. May you experience the provision of God for life and for godliness. May you hear the voice of God directing you in the leadership of Hillside as you continue to engage in the work of discipleship and mission, and may God strengthen you to preach the word, to correct, to rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. The one who has called you is faithful, and he will do this. At this time, I want to invite Lynn to come, and he's going to speak some words of blessing and affirmation to you. Thank you, Mark. That was amazing. Thank you so much for those words of encouragement and just unpacking the Word of God. It was awesome. Kevin, there you are. Your lights have gotten brighter since the last time I was here. <laughs> the Christian faith is marked by a consistent commitment to following Jesus. And He is the path that's marked out for us. As He said of Himself, I am the way and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So as Jesus leads us along his pathway, we have a significant part to play in helping others follow that pathway as well. Um, the author of Hebrews says, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So Kevin, as you follow Jesus... Others will be following your lead as you follow along with Jesus. Others will be considering the outcome of your way of life and imitating your faith. So as daunting as that may sound, you have been given the Holy Spirit to lead you and to guide you into all truth and to fill you and to empower you for that kind of leadership in life and in faith and to be the example he wants you to be. In the early years of the church, followers of Jesus needed practical guides of conduct. So Paul urged those around him to imitate his conduct as he stated, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So when it comes to being an example 
of a follower of Jesus. We encouraged by a few words later on in Hebrews chapter 13. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So today, Kevin, may you be filled with the Spirit of God, empowered and equipped for everything good for doing what he asks you to do, to be accomplished in your life and the lives of uh, this body of believers. So may you live like Jesus, for Jesus, filled and empowered with the Spirit of Jesus. Bless you. That was so good, Lynn. Kevin, we're going to invite you to come up on stage. Pastor Derwin, and I believe uh, you have a board. Yeah, your elders team. If you want to come up, we, uh, we're going to lay hands on Kevin. Here, why don't you come stand right here? Right inside. We're just going to lay our hands on Kevin, and we are going to pray a prayer of blessing and calling over his life. And uh, people of God, if you're able physically, would you please stand? And just as a sign that you stand with us in asking for the Spirit to rest on Kevin, just want to invite you to extend a hand. So Jesus, on this day, clearly you are the Lord of the church. We're not crowning Kevin or Derwin. Um, you're the Lord of the church, but we're so grateful that, that you raise up women and men to be vessels for your love and forgiveness and power and wisdom. And on this day, we thank you for Pastor Kevin. We thank you for the calling that you have um, bestowed upon him. We thank you, Lord, for parents and friends and teachers and mentors who have poured into him throughout his life. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for the, the careful way that you've, you've allowed Kevin to yield his will to yours. And we thank you for the, the measure of Christ that we see in him because of this yielding. And so on this day when we recognize this calling and we bless and affirm Kevin, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fill him again from, yes. from his feet all the way up to the top of his head, Amen. that you would anoint his mouth, yes. that he might speak the very word of God. Yes. We pray that you would fill him with the Father's love so that as he pastors and shepherds people, that they would have that the unmistakable aroma of Christ would be present everywhere that Kevin goes. And we pray, Father, that, um, that all of those hidden places in Kevin's mind and heart where he longs for you, that you would fill those desires with more of your presence. We thank you for your kindness and goodness. And Lord, even as I pray for Pastor Kevin, I pray your blessing upon Hillside Church, that they too would know the, the fullness of Jesus' presence and power. We, we talked about it earlier in the service, that all that is yours, Jesus, has been made ours because we've been united to you. And so may these dear sisters and brothers know the fullness of Christ, strength of Christ, peace of Christ the healing power of Christ, and may they be a witness in this city to the glory of Jesus' name. We ask all of these things 
in your name, Jesus, and for your sake. Amen and amen. Please be seated. Kevin, don't go anywhere just yet. Kevin, we, uh, we want to say how pleased we are that God brought you here. Uh, and uh, we love you and see the, these gifts that God has given you that are for us. And uh, we're so grateful that he's part of our community. Amen. All right? Yeah. <laughs> Yesterday, uh, Kevin and you and I were at the Tri-City Prayer Breakfast, and uh, I had the privilege of interviewing a pastor, and I asked him, what, uh, what do you need to be a pastor? And he says, well, you know, I feel like you need to have, obviously, religious education, you know, student of the Bible. He said, you need to be a counselor, <laughs> you know, you almost need a counseling degree. And he says, yeah, in our day, you probably need an MBA as well. <laughs> and... Uh, he went on to talk about how less comfortable he was with the MBA part of that, uh, that need and wanted to press into those other parts. And we'd urge you to do the same. Uh, we're a body, and we're in this together, and we're meant to serve together. And so I, I, you don't have to be everything to this church. Be what God has called you to be. Be a pastor and a shepherd and a teacher. And uh, Jesus, I think, gives us such a great model of what it means to be a pastor, and one of the final things he did, did before he went to the cross, he actually, and we've just got a couple of symbolic gifts for you. You hold this for me. Yeah. Uh, we've got you, hold this for me and put it there, so I can. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's still got some practical learning to do. He'll get, he'll get there. Like, listen to your boss. Um, we, we got you a bowl uh, that, uh, two things, I mean, uh, we, as we thought about you, we thought about your gifts of hospitality. You love to cook and you love to serve, and that's a, a great part of who you are. Um, but Jesus took uh, a basin and filled it with water, and he took a towel. Let's not destroy this. He took a towel, and he wrapped it around himself. And then he proceeded to wash his disciples' feet. And uh, he said, it, it says in that passage in John 13 that knowing you know, where he had come from, knowing that he'd come from the Father, knowing that he was going to the Father, he then took the water and, and the towel and washed their feet. Like knowing who he was as the Son of God. Uh, such humility demonstrated there. And uh, we're, we're called to follow in that path. This is, this is what greatness looks like. A bowl and a towel. And uh, as a pastor, uh, we um, affirm that in you, this calling to serve Jesus with all that you are. And uh, before you're ever a leader of us, remember you're a follower of him. Amen? Amen. Um, uh, we want to, uh, we're going to literally close the service. Isn't that amazing? Like that we're actually ahead of schedule. We're on time today. So good. Um, we're going to sing the doxology. Are you able to stand with me? And can we sing that together? Praise God from whom all 
blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. So God, this morning, you've been near, and we are grateful for your presence here in our midst in this church, and that you have grown us and brought us servants like Kevin. Uh, we're so thankful, God. And uh, while we ordained um, Kevin today, formally uh, acknowledging his call to pastoral work, Lord, you ordain all of us. You call all of us to come to you <laughs> and to go out into the world and show the world your love, to be a witness to the reality of God and his goodness. So would you continue to draw us into that wonderful calling that we might live and serve in you, and with you, and for you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen.